says, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Verse 4. Restore us again, O God of your salvation. And put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? And listen to this, verse 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Yes, that's in the Bible. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Father, we come before you as your people, um, as we were just singing in the way, with a new horizon set before us. And so, Father, as we reflect, as we ask that you restore us again and believe that, verse 6, that will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice. Father, may you speak through me. May you give hearts a tenderness to listen, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as we begin, uh, a few things uh, that just to kind of set where we're going this morning. Uh, Today is going to be a little bit different in what I'm going to be sharing. It's going to be part sermon in that we're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to unpack it a little bit. So there will be part of it that's like that. Part of it's also going to be a little bit family meeting-esque. A little bit about what God has been doing, but more importantly, what God is going to do as we have reflected and thought and prayed and where we sense the Lord leading the collective, uh, us as a church. Part of it's going to be vision casting, not only about family meeting, but what, what is it that God is speaking through us and leading us to? And lastly, part of this is going to be an invitation to you into the desires of my heart for this church. So as when you hear me say Vision Sunday or a chance to share, cast vision, if you've been with us any length of time, there's some words that you expect to hear. You expect to hear something along the lines of gospel saturation, right? So if you haven't yet, uh, does anybody remember going to church gatherings where they had like fill in the blanks, right? I, rem- I remember being there like I know what he's going to say. And I would put it in beforehand. And I was like, maybe I'm called to do that. Well, here I am standing before you. No blanks, but you have blanks in your brain, right? There's words that you're expecting to me to say. Gospel saturation. What is that? It's where every day God's people are helping others experience God's presence. Where every single person has a daily encounter with Jesus through his people. So think people 
that are on the outside of the family can experience the love that Raina just shared with us. For as they come into the family and are part of what we're up to, they can experience community and growth like the O's shared with us. So that is like last week that you can be so motivated by the gospel, so infused with love for God, that you automatically want to do something about it and share it with other people. It's a natural outflow of what God has done in you to want to share it with other people. That's the dream. That's the picture. That's what we wanted. We want to see more communities started so that more people can experience beautiful camping trips like this. Where more people and more communities are started so that more people that are in desperate need cannot just get a recliner at their house so that they can be comfortable, but they can be comforted in their grief and places of mourning through the Spirit by God's people. That's what we want to see, right? Gospel saturation. You expected that. Check that box. You're probably also expecting me to say something along the lines of mission, right? The mission of making disciples who make disciples. The, the, the mission that we believe God gave all of the church. The idea that there, we are being formed into the image of Jesus. And as we are being formed, that we are to help other people be formed into that image. To help other people experience that transformation. That, so what I receive, I not only just receive, I receive so that I can pass it on. And I expect them to pass that same thing along to others and more. You expect me to hear all those things. But I want to ask you a que question. When you look at your life, when you think of your discipleship, where you are in your, the faith, have you ever said something along the lines of this? There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more. Have you, so for that, I want you to think of yourself five years ago. So it is September 18th, 2022. Think of yourself in September of 2017. Okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, what was I doing, right? What was going on in your life at the time? What hopes did you have? I'll go even a little bit further because most of us are not, Think, we're thinking five-year segments. Five segments. Think 10, 15 years ago. Think of the dreams and the hopes, the excitements, what you thought your life would be like. Have you ever looked back and said, this is not what I was expecting at this point in my life? You ever been there? They're like, wait a second. I'm doing this still, or I'm still wrestling with this part of my life? Or shouldn't I, if I was good Christian, would I still be struggling with that sin? Or maybe I would have finally gotten to the point where I desire to live out that mission thing that they keep talking about. Uh, this last week, and Darian mentioned this, uh, the last couple days, um, we, Friday and Saturday, Friday and Saturday, the mornings were funeral, and the evenings were wedding. So uh, Friday morning, I led an earnment ceremony, the first I've done that. It's placing an urn in the ground, um, and led that for a small group of people. And then yesterday, Darianne sang at the funeral for our dear friend's uh, mom. 
And then the evening was wedding rehearsal, and then last night was big wedding ceremony, lots of fun, reuniting with friends, seeing all that. And it's, it's, it's a unique part of my vocation to have a juxtaposition like that in a 24-hour period, where you go from, like, sadness and, and black suit and then show up to a rehearsal where it's fun and celebratory, where you, you get death and life in the same day. And I don't know if it's not just people in my vocation that have that, but many of you may have experienced something along those lines. But both, and how I led the inurnment ceremony was uh, out of a passage um, from Ezekiel, and I, excuse me, Ecclesiastes, and it was the, same, the passage in chapter 7 that says it's better to be in a house of mourning than in a house of celebration. I, lo- I love how Connie says everybody around here just loves, like in the summer, you become an Enneagram 7. For those of you that don't know, that's the joyful party type person, okay? You just go out there and you just want to have as much fun as possible and Usually this person waits till the very last second to say yes because they never know if something else is going to come up that's going to be more fun. And that's our culture in a nutshell in August, for the record. So, you th- but you think like, oh, it's, why is it better to be in a house of mourning than a house of celebration? Because it forces you to ask questions like this. It forces you to take an honest self-reflection of your life and be able to say, is this really all that there is? is? Is my life in alignment with who God has um, called me to be right now and who God is calling me to become and who he's forming me into? And so if you're like me, you've definitely had the statements where you're like, there's got to be more than this. There's, there's got to be more of something, and you don't know what it is necessarily, but you kind of have some guesses of what it is, right? It's like, okay, I know I've experienced life, okay, and this is the way I did it in the past, okay? Like, so um, I, I've done it before, I've experienced it this way, and now I'm not getting what it is that I want right now. So what's your logical conclusion? Oh, I'm going to go back to what I did before. Right? Now, in some cases, that's really good. You may have stopped doing good things in the first place that got you to the good place. That makes sense? The amount of people I've talked to that get healing from community and then, like, oh, I'm good. I no longer need community and then remove themselves from community. And then all of a sudden, six months later, they realize their life's in shambles again. It's like, wait a second. What were you expecting? These things got you to here. That's awesome. I'm not talking about that. But if there's this, uh, yeah, I just, I got to go back to doing what I did before. That worked. So I'm going to just do that. Or I'm, it's not the same as it was. So I'm going to go back or whatever that is and however that works. And there's this inclin, like this, like gut telling, like, okay, that's, it's got to be something like this. There's got to be something more than this. So I want to speak to a few different groups of people for a moment that's saying, those, say, saying that statement. The first are the board, and I don't think this is many people in this room, but just to say it. These are, probably, these are people that have viewed church as a once-a-week task in life, but never truly accepted the full challenge to truly follow Jesus in all of life. 
You may not be bored with life itself because if anything in the modern day and age, life is not boring. It's hectic. It's stressful. If you have children, the daily or hourly or minute-by-minute battle of technology does anything but create boredom, right? But there's a group of people, and I'll speak to the Big C Church, like I said, not many people in this room, that have viewed church as that, just to check the box, and my discipleship is just that. I go, I receive, and then I peace out. I'll see you maybe if you're like the, what Barna calls the committed Christians, that would be you do that twice a month here in the Northwest. It used to be twice a week. Now it's twice a month, okay? That's the board. For some, it, the, it, you may be comfortable and cozy, and you're saying, there's got to be more than this. You're comfortable and cozy in that you've accepted the high invitation to receive Jesus. You've accepted the high invitation to uh, receive God's grace and receive his love, and yet the, the lack of accepting the challenge of following Jesus and committing all of your life to him, to, to laying down the sinful areas of your life, the ways in which the, the parasite of sin have attached to good things and morphed them. But I think today most people in this room and more people, most people in our church and in our missional communities would be in this third group of people. And that would be the highly stressed. These are the people that have accepted the high call and high challenge of following Jesus and his mission. When life is already stressful and then you bring people into it. It's like, oh, this will be fun. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's hard. Because what happens, and I say this to couples I'm about to marry, you're marrying a sinful person. This is not math where you take negative and negative and it becomes a positive. It's like, oh, well, our sins will cross each other out. It's like, no, it's not that, it doesn't work that way. It only heightens them, right? Those of us that are married or anybody that's been in community for any length of time, you know that being in community is so life-giving and you start, to rub, you start to rub up against other people's sinfulness and it's really hard. But not just the stress of your normal life or the stress of community life, but also the stress of taking gospel saturation and mission seriously. Where you go out and you, you try to reorient your life. You, you are regularly growing in the DNA group. You're regularly trying to gather. And you are so focused on the work to be done that oftentimes we can forget the invitation of what Jesus offers. Yes, Jesus does say, if you want to gain your life, what do you have to do? Lose it. He does say that. But he also says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And here we are living on this high challenge mission and we think of the yoke that we're carrying. And for so many years of my leadership, I always wrestled with why is it that leadership feels like a heavy yoke when Jesus says that life was supposed to be in. His yoke was easy and his burden was light. Always wrestled with that. There's got to be more, God. I'm missing something. 
what's going on. Then we read passages like this. Ephesians 3, one of Paul's beautiful prayers. And he's praying for the church in Ephesus, and he says this, and this, just listen to the words. According to the riches of his glory, he prays that you may be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being. It's an interesting phrase. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the height and or was the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. If there's any passage in the Bible that you should say there's got to be more than this, it's this one. Right? Are we filled with the fullness of the love of God? Filled with. That do you, can you comprehend and do you know the depth to the, and the breadth and the length and the height, the love of Jesus for you? And listen to what it says. That surpasses knowledge. This is a beyond words type of experience. This is a, I can't come up here on a, in a microphone on a weekly base, basis, do my work and regurgitate it to you, thinking that you get to experience the fullness of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Yes, you, know, you guys know me. I'm a truth guy. I, I, I love the Bible. I want to teach the Bible. But this passage is inviting us to something that surpasses what our minds can comprehend. What we can even articulate and put into words. There's got to be something more. And brothers and sisters, that's it. And this is why Paul and elsewhere, and why we are so passionate about gospel saturation. And I want to take us a step further in this. I want to ask the question, why? Why MC? Why gospel saturation? Why do we choose to live the life that we do? And this is what Paul tells Timothy. He says this in 1 Timothy 1. Why does he do everything he does? The goal of our instruction is not, it's not obedience. It's not faithfulness even. It's not good works, although it will lead to that. The goal of everything that Paul has done, you think of all of his letters, why he has to correct them. I saw a wonderful meme that I shared with the elders a couple weeks ago, and it was the basic framework of Paul's letters. Hi, Jesus loves you. For the love of God, stop doing stupid things. Timothy says hi, grace and peace. That's, in essence, the Bible in a nutshell. That is the New Testament. Okay? That, so it's not that only. Like, yeah, he writes those things. Yes, he tries to correct. Yes, he reminds us of the future present. Yes, he does all these things. But what is the aim of his instruction? What's the outcome of it? The goal of our instruction is love. 
from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith. Do you feel like you're getting all that there is of the fullness of God right now in your life? What happens when you feel like there's more, though? What happens in the seasons when you're in a highly stressed environment, highly stressed time? What happens when you feel dry and challenged and at the end of yourself? And what happens that you are, especially when you're doing the same things you've always done and you're not getting different results? What happens in that moment? Because I believe this is where the Lord has brought many of us. Not just in this room, but many in the, in the church and in the family of God. In many ways, as you'll hear in the, the coming weeks, this is the process of coming to an end of ourselves. So what is needed? What is the invitation for those that accept this high challenge, what is the invitation and the opportunity for us and what do we need and sense the Lord is leading in in the midst of this specific moment? It's simply stated in one word, it's the word renewal. That passage in Psalm 85, the word revive, you can also say renew. Will you not renew us again that your people may rejoice in you? Uh, as many of you know and hopefully have heard the message or uh, seen what we did, God uh, brought us and brought me specifically through a tremendous opportunity of experiencing something that I never would have thought. And it was so rich. And um, it feels like ages ago already because we come back to a lot of challenging things. I'm just going to put it all on the table right now. Um, we don't, we, we, I come back renewed and refreshed but this is a very unique situation and season for us as a church family. One that's revealed our deep dependence and our need for only him to do what he can do. And I think that as I've reflected and connected and met with lots of different people over the last few weeks and heard stories, I, I think many people and I'm not, I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but I think many are, are discouraged in a lot of ways, are tired, burnt out. Um, you, you fill in the word of what it may be. And so while, if you know me, you know I want to go, okay, mission time, let's go get to see the saved, let's go see the lost saved. I think, and I'm going to, this is inviting you into my heart for a moment. As I look at discipleship, as I look at the big C church, as I look at Protestantism and evangelicalism and all those words, whatever, you, whatever tribe you want to say, 
you look at how we go about making disciples and you look at the stages in which we make disciples, I think we're running in an environment right now that's stunted growth. Because, yes, we see the lost saved. Beautiful. You know my heart. I love baptisms. I want more of that. We see and we help people get some basic spiritual disciplines so that they can learn to combat sin in their life. They can learn the wrestling of what it means to lay down their life for the life of Jesus. That's an important piece. So good. We see people engaging and learning how to serve. And whatever, however church community that looks like, it could be serving on a Sunday, it could be helping in the nursery, it could be, in our case, living on mission, serving in your missional community more than even here in a lot of ways. And those are all good things, so please don't hear me say that there's something wrong about any of that. Those are the foundation pieces that the rest of our discipleship is built off of. And yet, we should be asking, is this all there is? Because I truly believe that there's more beyond those stages of the journey of discipleship that in Christ is available to us, but we don't even have categories to think about. We don't have an understanding of what that is. Where you can comprehend beyond knowledge beyond words and learn how to experience a full body experience the true love of a father who's done everything he's can to pursue you. And not only that, but that you can learn to abide in him. Sit. When your prayer times become less talking, and then less listening and more being. Where you are not tossed to and fro, whether it's doctrines because of teaching or whether it's emotionally because of the circumstances, but you're so rooted and grounded. You hear that in Ephesians 3? Deep roots, deep grounding, And this, my friends, is a work of God that only comes if we put ourselves in environments where we can get there. Notice the partnership. Notice this is a work of God. And notice that we have to put ourselves in the environment to experience it. So if renewal is that what does that actually mean practically for us? What does it look like for us as the people of God um, in this moment, in this body, in this city, at the end of this pandemic? What do we do now? What does this practically look like? And so this is a season that we're calling the challenge to renewal. Challenge because in some cases we need to be challenged beyond where we are challenged right now. In some situations, there are those that are comfortable and cozy that we need to invite into being more committed in ways than they currently are, in a loving, gracious way, not a demanding way. And it's not just a challenge, it's also an invitation. An invitation to experience 
the love of God in ways that you have never experienced before. So elephant in the room for a moment. Last year we did nourish, right? It's like, wait a second, didn't we do that last year? What's the difference? Okay. In my conversations with a few different people, now this was not the intention, but this is what the impact that I experienced. Those booklets were wonderful and awesome. I'm so thankful to Justin for them. They're so amazing. Steve for designing them. They were awesome. And in, for some people, they were experience, the experience of them was, man, this is one more thing I got to do. I'm already so tired. Now I got to do this on top of that? Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, kind of. Like, you got to put yourselves in the environment, right? Yeah. But I think that there's something that's even beyond that, that this is the foundation which we can lay. And a lot of them was in the slowdown disciplines. And so this is what the remainder of our time is going to be. I'm just going to unpack a little bit of what this is, what it, what it will look like. And a lot of this is for us as a, a church family because next week, and starting today actually, is an opportunity to say, you know what, I am committing to being part of the Soma family. It's been called Covenant Communion. It's been called a lot of things, but this is that commitment saying, I'm in, I want to engage. And so I'll unpack what that actually is really practically in a minute. So when we say the challenge to renewal, what does that mean for us? And how are we going to actually do that? First, there's three different categories. And what I'm looking from, there's going to be in the back, if you are somebody that likes paper and likes to read. I, we wanted to make sure. Okay. The first category of this is just personal renewal. Recognizing that we are like Elijah was in 1 Kings 19, at the end of our rope, at the, coming to an end of ourselves, and needing personal renewal so that we can re-enter into the life of mission that Jesus has called us to. So really practically, the first the six weeks after next, I'll be leading us through a series on Elijah in 1 Kings 19. That's the journey to renewal, looking at the different categories and different places and phases of that journey that you, if you want to experience renewal, biblically, this is the process in which you have to get there. And I'm just going to warn you right now, it requires coming to an end of yourself and an experience in the wilderness. But if you journey through it, if you stay committed, if you lean in, the renewal that you get is beyond anything you've ever experienced. Well, so the first thing is a series coming up for six weeks. I'm going to encourage you to be part of that. There will be a conversation guide for MCs and DNAs so that you can walk through the, um, that because each week we'll also have an associated practice, something that you can do to regularly get yourself in that place. The second thing, and I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to read all this. I'm just going to go through a couple different pieces. The second thing is we're going to be providing and calling and challenging all of us to uh, create a rule of life for ourselves. So, a rule of life, what is that? It's an intentional plan for discipleship and formation in every area of your life. I'll say it this way. You already have a rule of your life. The question is, is it helping you become more like Jesus? Is it helping you know the love and presence of God the Father? Is it helping you walk in the power and guidance of the Spirit? Or is your rule of life more like culture and less like Christ? We are in a 
culture of hurry. I know because the Dallas Willard quote that became a John Mark Comer book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I've seen that spread like wildfire over the last two years, especially in COVID. And yet, now that the pandemic's over, I'm going to over air quotes for many of you that are, okay, just, you know what I'm saying. We're back to what it was before. The exhaustion, the hurry, the hustle. And you don't get renewal if there's not space in your life to encounter God. So this is a chance for us as a community. Now, we're not creating a church-wide rule of life. That's not what this is. It's going to be a a workbook that you can walk through as a family, seven different categories for you to intentionally think, okay, is this, what, what stays, what needs to go, what needs to be added to my rule of life? It's going to be an opportunity for the next few months to experiment. Hey, we're going to try this. Yeah, that all of a sudden feels like a burden. That's not life-giving. Great. Let's adjust that. And we want to help provide space in your life where you can actually experience renewal because we won't be renewed if we don't have that space. So this is a tool for you, and our goal is to have an elder be willing to meet with every single family that will help them process through it in every way that they can, okay? And these categories consist of your physical body, your mind, mission and hospitality, abiding in Jesus and spiritual disciplines. There's lots of different categories that this all connects to. So, rule of life. The third of personal renewal, how we're going to do this, and I'm going to focus on this personal one because I think it's really important. In my sabbatical, what I discovered is, and if you look at the story of Elijah, there are times when, and seasons and and little moments when you need to be removed from your normal way of life so that God can actually renew you. What we're going to be providing starting in January is we're going to be providing two-night, what I'm calling renewal retreats. These are times where up to eight men and up to eight women can get together in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere, hopefully, and have some guided spiritual direction time where it will be, this first part will be more like an introduction to silence and solitude, which are essential practices of renewal. And so these are going to be times where you'll have meals together, you'll have guided teaching and training times, but there's going to be a lot of space in these where you can start to get a glimpse and experience what God can say and do in what Henry Nouwen calls the furnace of transformation. Okay, so these are going to be starting in January. We're going to be providing them once a month. Um, My goal is to do at least four, two for men, two for women. My prayer is that we'll need to do six, and we'll do three for men, three for women. My long-term desires is I'm working with some uh, some national leaders that are looking to train people, and we're going to be, hopefully by God's grace, starting in the fall, providing year-long cohorts of renewal so that you can take a deeper dive and have multiple retreats over it. And I'm just going to say this right now. I cannot force you into these environments. You have to be ready for them. But this is an intentional, and I'm going to speak long term for a second. 
This is an intentional time to build something into the ecosystem of Soma that is lacking, straight up lacking. And that's, we get people in mission and then they're here for four or five years and then there's something missing and then they go and seed what they're doing in another church somewhere else. This is not just Soma Federal Way. This is a, na- this is a national thing because we haven't provided an ecosystem or part of our ecosystem is not providing the richness of the depth that disciples need when they're not just babies and toddlers and teenagers, but when they grow up in the faith. So if you, this, what I just said, has any interest of you, let me know, because I'm building a team not only from this church, but I'm trying to get other people um, from the region that want to learn how to do this, that want to prov- learn how to provide space for people to walk through the orientation and disorientation of what silence and solitude brings in their life, that want to do a little bit of spiritual direction and guidance and holding the space where people, you're not forcing people to be changed. It's something that I experienced and I'm looking to help others experience it because I think it's an essential part of what we need. Okay, So that's how we're going to pursue personal renewal. Real briefly, We're also looking for missional community renewal and for uh, corporate renewal. A few things that I'm just going to highlight, and this is all going to be in the back if you want to look at. Um, We're really focusing on leadership renewal as well. Uh, I've been meeting with MC leaders already, and I've realized and from various conversations, you get to four to five years of an MC leader, it just gets really, really tiring and really, really hard. And so I'm meeting with everybody and just saying, hey, like, do you need a break? And no shame if you do. Like, I want to provide it. And if you need a break as a leader, there's also going to be a guided walkthrough of your personal renewal so you can get the break and not just say, okay, you're gone. You're not leading. I'll see you in six months. We'll see how it goes. You don't have time to think through that stuff. You got a busy life. You need somebody that can help guide you and walk you through that. So we're meeting with MC leaders. We've also had this conversation as elders. Um to start thinking and praying and discerning about the right time. We're instituting a new thing where every, uh, for an elder that's coming on or any elder, in like this window, it's going to be like three to six years-ish, we start asking the question, hey, is it time for you to be able to cycle out and take a break? Provide a guided time for them to take a break with the desire that they can come back in. Now, this is not going to be heavy-handed, like you're five years, you're out, like some movements do, that's not what we're doing. This is more open-handed saying, hey, we just want to check and see how you're doing, see how things are going. And if you're at a point where you need a break, great. Let's get a break. Let's get your spiritual director. Let's get you in an environment where you can be personally renewed so you can re-enter into eldership. Okay? So we're having that conversation. We have, um, to begin this, this is going to start starting next month with Jeff and Karen. So Jeff and Karen are, are going to be MC leaders. They're still going to be leaning in. But when it comes to eldering, they're just going to take a break from eldering for a time so that they can get some of the renewal that they need so that they can, by God's grace, re-enter. And I believe Jeff's at the um, most fruitful time of his life. And I'm like, I don't want to do this now. Like, we're getting, like, you got the best stuff that you've got to give to the church, but this is to strengthen it so that the years ahead. Um, they're not leaving. This is not a sabbatical like I had where like they're gone for three months and back. This is not to that extent. Um, and guys, they've been serving as elders since 1993. 
Okay, I mean, I think people, I know there's people in this room that were born after that. They've been, so like, that's, like, it's okay. So this is a good thing. And it's, it's not like, a, we'll see you later. It's like, no, I'll see you next week. You'll be here. I'll see you at your missional community. We're going to still be praying. But the burden of uh, being a lay elder is going to be a little bit of a break. So that's something um, more about that will coming, be coming. That's a good thing associated with that, not just MC renewal, but corporate renewal. This is the family business part, so I apologize if this is boring you, but I just want to make sure you're hearing it. We saw a lot about how prayer and fasting was so good over the summer. We're going to keep that going in different forms and capacities. So right now we're going to start with a quarterly night of prayer, fasting. We are, there is an MC that's kind of been a conglomerate of MCs that's coming together that's starting in praying and fasting. So every Thursday we're coming together, we're fasting um, from Wednesday dinner to Thursday dinner, breaking fast and praying together. Uh, I encourage all of our MCs, if like, I don't know what to do, like what should we do as an MC right now? Don't find a book to study, pray and fast. Start there. Okay, so that's happening. And then associated with this, we're really, I'm putting a lot of energy into uh, leadership pipeline and elder development. So we're, I've been having conversations with various people in the body, asking them to step up into an elder development track. This is going to be done by uh, Jeff Vanderstelt. He's a regional leader, many of you met. He did this for Tacoma. I've asked him if him and I can partner together to see an, an, elder, uh, an elder development track built up. My goal is to get two to four people in that process starting in November or December. I've already had some really fruitful and hopeful conversations with that. Um, and it's not like, a, hey, you're now an elder because you started this. It's no, we're working towards building development out, also doing this with MC apprentices. My goal by the end of this year, this calendar year, is to have an MC apprentice in every MC so that a year from now the RMCs can multiply. Pause. Last thing. Um, is uh, the hiring of a, a part-time equipper and co-laborer alongside of us. Many of you were here last week, and you got to hear and experience Brandon. And we're still in the discernment process of that. We're still wrestling it. It's, it's moved. Last week was fruitful. It was great. There's been a lot of things that we've worked through this week, and I smile and giggle because uh, there will be stories to, to share. But it seems like the Lord is knitting us together in beautiful ways, um, unexpected ways. And so I'm not saying that it's Brandon. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying is we're still pursuing that. We're still working towards that. Um, I've been asked, what's the difference between somebody like that and an elder? Because he won't be coming in, or somebody won't be coming in as an elder. And I was like, there's a difference between somebody that puts their heart, soul, and mind day to day. Uh, pause. Paul says something about how he has the, um, the daily concern for the churches and their health. There's like a vocational call to that, right? Where you're daily wrestling with the ins and outs of things. Not all elders have that, and that's good. But to have somebody that is in that level, different skill sets, different abilities would be a huge opportunity. And I'm just going to be honest with you, it's a, it's a financial uh, all-in moment for us too. Like, hey, we've been, we've been stockpiling finances for years now. And we've been waiting for an opportunity to what to do. Are we going to buy Evergreen? Or what do we, like, there's all these different things. And we're, we're in the discernment process to be like, okay, maybe this is the right thing. Maybe this is the time to do that and see what the Lord does with it. So that's just an opportunity to pray. All that to say, there's more back there. 
in a moment, we're going to lead to communion. And I, a lot of this is saying, hey, what does it mean? What does this mean for me? Well, next step for you is to ask the question, are you committed to the Soma Federal Way family moving forward? What does that practically mean? Super simple. I'm going to simplify it to four Gs. First is that you're committed to going. You're committed to being a disciple who makes disciple. And you're committed to missional community. First thing. Second thing is it means you're committed to growing. You're committed to being a disciple and in the environment of a DNA group, learning what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples, okay? You grow, excuse me, you go, you grow, you gather, committed to recognizing that our church family is not just missional community, it's beyond that. So a commitment to regular gathering with the saints for mutual equipping, encouraging, and encountering God. And lastly, is that you're committed to giving. So go, grow, gather, give. First of all, this is the giving of your talents and your, of your abilities, sacrificing your time so that you can benefit other people in your missional communities, giving, but it also means financially giving towards the church family, giving towards the work of the gospel, giving towards these things. All the renewal treats, retreats are not going to, I mean, but I'm trying to keep the cost really low, but it's going to cost something. Like, I love how Jeff says it. The cost of ministry is a dollar is a dollar, right? It's just it's the cost of it. So, that's part of what it means to say, what it practically means to be part of that. But I also want to add a piece to it. It's, I want to ask you, is your heart in it as well? Naming the elephant in the room again. There have been multiple families that since we've been back on sabbatical that are saying that they're no longer going to be part of Soma Federal Way. Definitely not an expected or desirable return, but it's a reality. Okay. Just throwing that out there for a myriad of reasons. And these are my friends. There's lots of different things, okay? This is a unique moment. This isn't 2000. This isn't 2020. This isn't 2016. This isn't even 2021. This is a really unique moment for us. And people there have been people that have been at it from the get go at ye, since year 1 we're going to be celebrating year 8 8 50 yeah 8 in in february there comes a time when church planting teams the, i'll just say it this way the fact that the amount of people that have been around since year 1 are still part of the church that is unheard of just so you know usually in church planting world, they're scaffolding for two years until new people come in and they move on to something else. It's terrible to say that, just bring you into it. But there's a reality to it. This is hard work. This is, a, this is a labor of love. And there's different needs that are happening across families and individuals. So I'm, this is an absolute of assuming the best and no one's, there's been no ill intent or anything in any of this. Please don't hear that. But I also want to say, you know what, if it's not the time right now, that's okay. It's not the time to commit to the Soma family. And if you're just like kicking the tires and you're like, I don't, I don't I'm just kind of hanging out for a couple weeks, that's cool too. You don't need it. That's fine. But for this, like I said, this is the family meeting portion of it where it's like, okay, this is a, a unique moment. We're in a financially a spot where it's a little bit trickier than it's been in the past. You know what? That's good. 
you know what? There's been people that have been around for a long time and they're no longer going to be part of it. You know what's really great? No one's leaving the faith. Like, I can sleep well. They're actually, by God's grace, it's going to be good for other churches because what you don't realize is every church is leaning towards trying to do what we're doing. I was in a meeting today for the leaders. Not today, excuse me, this week. They're like, yeah, we're just trying to wrestle with how to help people be disciples. And then we want them to make disciples. And we want them to do that in loving their neighborhood. That's interesting. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> what you don't realize is being part of the Soma Fedoway family means you're, on, you're at the tip of the spear. Where... 15 years from now, it's always the first through the wall that gets the most bloody. The heartache, the pain, the the coming to an end of ourselves. The running into a wall after wall after wall, not family, wall family, although you play with them, you'll probably run into them at some point. They're pretty competitive. What you don't realize is by being part of this, you're seeding something that God can do for generations to come. Where we can where we can be part of something, experiment, fail a ton. What I didn't get to share last week, and we are going to do communion, we are going to sing a song, and we are late, and I'm long-winded, but that's what happens when you give somebody who's a public communicator three months off from speaking. It's your fault. No, I'm joking. I'm totally joking. But what you don't realize is that and this is what God did in my sabbatical in a lot of ways is what we're trying to do is not just affect this generation. I'm not even just trying to affect my kids' generation. I want, I want to be part of creating something new that my great, great grandkids are still experiencing. Where we do, I mean, you think of all the movements of God. The people are like, why are you doing that? That makes no sense. Like, that just doesn't work. But then everybody catches on, it becomes the new normal. What you don't know is that being part of SOMA, you're creating the new normal. And that's hard. So that's why I'm saying, if that's not your call right now, that's okay. The vi one of the visions God gave me in the middle of my sabbatical, and I have it in my journal, I didn't write it out. It was this, it was this box and it was dark, but there was this like triangle that was pointing into the darkness. But you look at the trail behind it, and it was all light. So it was all, like, dark sketch. And, and this is what you get with having me as one of the elders of your team, is that, Justin, this is what you're called to, and this is what you're doing. You get to be the tip of the spear. And that both excites me like crazy, but it's also scary. Now, I'm not meaning to make this all dark or scary or anything because I, I do want to say 
you get to experience things like what the O said, what what the Olsons shared last week, what Raina gets. You get to be part of all that, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and it affects your day-to-day life, and I know we need to be renewed. So I was way too long, and I'm okay with that. So starting today, if you want to be part of the family, Soma family online, there's going to be a, a link that's shared out. We're not going to do it next week where everybody comes up, signs, and says something. It's available online, a form where you can just say you're committed to these four Gs, to gr- uh, going, to growing, to gathering, and to give. You can start doing that now. Next week, there will be a, a, mom- a few moments or a time where we'll celebrate that, but that's not going to be the whole gathering next week. Jeff is going to share a little bit of a training I, I, of that we wrestled with as elders, and it's going to be a good tool for you to make disciples as well. So with that, um, I'm going to invite you to take communion, because this is a family meal. If this was a little bit of a family meeting, if this was a little bit of uh, all the things that I mentioned in the beginning, it's time to end it with the family meal, and the family meal is communion at the end of the day, when we go to the table and remember what Jesus did for us, because he's the center point of all this in the first place. It's not about what we're doing and what we're up to. It's about what Jesus has already done. That's what fuels all this, is that Jesus has already fully paid the penalty of our sin. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And now we have the spirit to do and live the way he's called us to live. So we go to the table to remind one another. This is not a do more, try harder. We don't go to the table to say, okay, like buckle up your bootstraps because you gotta, you got to suck it up and go. No, going to the table is reminding one another that the renewal that you desire is already found in Christ. And he's going to expose and exp- help you experience it in deeper levels than before. But it always goes back to the table. It always goes back to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I want to pray. I want to go to the table. Just take the elements and come sit down. Darian's going to lead us in a song, and then we'll, uh, we'll take it together and close out our time, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the call of what it is to follow you. The, the joy, all of it, is ultimately because of what you've already done for us. God, let us never forget that this beautiful opportunity that's in front of us that I am so hopeful for, that I truly, deeply believe is going to happen, and even sad for people that are, are not going to be able to be part of it with us in the future. But God, that I know you want to do through us and in us. God, I pray that it always goes back to what you've already done. Your life perfectly live in submission to the Father. The death on the cross in the place of our sins and the resurrection, the, which is the ultimate picture of renewal that we get to experience is resurrection life. So Father, as we go to the table, we worship you, we thank you, we celebrate you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.